going on? Welcome to the show. Happy Tuesday. News Talk 1110 wbt Pete Callender here. The phone numbers, if you want to join the program, are 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And, of course, the email is Pete at the Pete Callender Show. And you can also uh, hit me up on Twitter at Pete Callender. Basically, it's where I live. And so I was not affected by the Facebook out, uh, outage yesterday. Yeah, I did notice a lot more people on Twitter, though. That was unsettling. Um, I don't, look, I don't know what to make of that. We're going to get into the Facebook stuff. I'm starting to now doubt whether or not this Facebook whistleblower is, like, a legit whistleblower. I'll explain that. Um, But I want to start off with um, Merrick Garland. Did we dodge a bullet or what? (laughs) So... Thank you, Mitch McConnell, for not letting that guy get onto the Supreme Court. Holy smokes. Did you see this letter that he sent out? This memo? I have a copy of it right here. Um, two, two. This was for the director of the FBI, the director, uh, the executive office for U.S. attorneys, the assistant attorney general, the criminal division, U.S. Uh, United States attorneys as well. And this is from Merrick Garland, the attorney general. And here it is. He says it's only four paragraphs. He says, in recent months, there has been a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against Kirsten Cinema. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. It's against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff who participate in the vital work of running our nation's public schools. While spirited debate about policy matters is protected under our Constitution, the protection does not extend to threats of violence or efforts to intimidate individuals based on their views. There's so much to dissect here. So much. Threats against public servants are not only illegal, they run counter to our nation's core values. Do you know how our nation was founded? That was kind of their jam. That's kind of what they did. Like they, yeah, like up in Boston area, it's kind of brutal stuff they did to some of the, uh, quote, public servants. Although I guess those were servants of the king, right, at the time. But anyway, um, those who dedicate their time and energy to ensuring that our children receive a proper education in a safe environment, deserve to be able to do their work without fear for their safety. The department takes these incidents seriously and is committed to using its authority and resources to discourage these threats, identify them when they occur, and prosecute them when appropriate. In the coming days, the department will announce a series of measures designed to address the rise in criminal conduct directed toward school personnel. So we're getting the FBI now. The FBI is now going to, what, start issuing threatening letters to parents who show up at the school board meetings? This guy's a maniac, Merrick Garland. The guy's out of control. Again, thank God he's not a lifetime appointment on the Supreme Court. Coordination and partnership with local law enforcement is critical to implementing these measures for the benefit of our Nation's nearly 14,000 public school districts. To this end, I am directing the FBI working with each U.S. attorney 
to convene meetings with federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial leaders in each federal judicial district within 30 days of the issuance of this memo. The meetings will facilitate the discussion of strategies for addressing threats against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff, and will open dedicated lines of communication for threat reporting, assessment, and response. By the way, this is what happens when you view half the country as your enemy, as your literal enemy. This is what you get. Again, I ask, imagine if this was a Republican. Could you imagine if Donald Trump and Bill Barr, if that administration and his uh, uh, attorney general, Bill Barr, if they had sent this notice out, about, well, anything, that the that they were going to weaponize the FBI against activists. That's who he's talking about here, right? I mean, look at the blowback that occurred when the mere suggestion of, hey, maybe we should take a look at these Antifa LARPing communists. Like, hey, maybe we should look at them and the violence that they are uh, uh, participating in. Maybe we should do some, you know, undercover work, take a look at the Antifa people. And and the the reaction was like turned up to eleven out of ten. Right? It was it, it was how dare you? These are people just exercising their First Amendment, right? I mean, look what this was the debate the North Carolina legislature just had about uh the increased penalties for rioting and looting that Democrats and the governor just vetoed Democrats. Uh, they, they opposed it. No increased penalties for rioting and looting because we don't know. There might be an instance at some point in the future where somebody might feel like they can take to the streets with a placard and scream something at somebody. And so we better not increase any of these penalties. But we're totally OK sending the FBI after, uh, you know, Mrs. Pruitt over there. Uh, Because she got a little too vocal talking about the uh, critical race theory at the last school meeting or the masking policy that the school district has enacted. That's where we are. Right. This isn't and I've got a piece on this uh, I will get to as well in a bit. This isn't even about calling out double standards. It's not about that. I mean, yes, there these are double standards, no doubt about that. But the double standard isn't really a double standard to a lot of people on the left. You know why? They literally think of themselves as apart from these other people. We have now a caste system in America. This is what is is becoming more and more clear. There is a caste system. And uh, when you are in the nobility caste, you are afforded certain rights and certain privileges. You're allowed to do certain things. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Merrick Garland, the Attorney General of the United States, is, I mean, I don't know any other way to say it. He's threatening people for challenging their local school boards, which I guess is the natural progression uh, after, you know, first it was the, you know, critical race theory advanced this into... Uh, into you know you, through the universities, the march through the institutions, get it into the K twelve pedagogy, and then 
uh, when parents realize and they start pushing back and the advice goes out from the anti anti racism people or the anti CRT people, uh, the advice goes out to, Hey, go to your local school board, get active in these school board races. This is where you affect change. And now of course it turns into, well, we can't have that. And for anybody who was around about a decade ago in North Carolina, this, um, this newfound anxiety over people protesting too much, it's pretty rich. But here again, this is the deal. There are some people in America that get to do whatever they want. It's like the guy from the Parks and Rec show. He's got his own permit. He gets to do whatever he wants. If you are in the protected class, then you have certain privileges. If you're in that caste, you are allowed to do stuff. You know, burn down cities and the like. You can do that sort of thing. COVID's another great example. If you're in the particular protected caste, you get to go to the galas. You get to get the fancy dresses and, you know, parade around in front of all of the serfs who have to abide by all of the COVID rules. You see, because COVID knows that you are in the elite cast. You are not one of the, just the, the regular plebs, you know? You're not the hoi polloi. You're just a regular person. You don't, you don't get exempt from the different uh, mandates and the rules and such. That's what, hey, membership has its privileges. Let me go over here to Rachel. Hello, Rachel. Welcome to the program. How are you? Good. How are you today? Hey, I'm well. What's up? Well, I'm calling in about that letter from Merritt Garland. I am on the leadership team of a local Moms for Liberty chapter. And this is par for the course of what we see on a local level as well. How so? Well, um, for example, we've been organizing parents showing up at school board meetings. Our speakers come filled with facts and we are very cordial we are polite we are not in your face uh but the other side is in fact the other side has stolen things off of our cars they have posted license plates from people who have shown up simply because they have a disagree point of view mm-hmm. um and we, we've met a lot of animosity for just sharing our personal experiences at the local level. Have you considered maybe, I don't know, uh, chasing these people into bathrooms and recording them? I think that's now acceptable. <laughs> that's the way we're supposed to uh, engage. Yeah, that, that's what they model for us at the national level. But that's not our style. We, we stay beyond reproach and... It's very frustrating to see something like this come from the top because it's all about intimidation. So this so you you perceive this message as uh, an intimidation tactic aimed at you and groups like yours. Fair? Absolutely. All right. Um, how, how have your uh, you say you're always cordial and all of this, but are, are there no people that ever show up and get uh, get kind of intimidating towards the the school board members or what, what what's been the school board reaction? I have seen people they are not associated with our group and um, 
I've seen one person who has a similar point of view behave that way. Mm -hmm. But most of the people who go off the hook and are unhinged are not associated with the free point of view them. Mm-hmm. The viewpoint of freedom. <laughs> right. So, uh, but, but to a school board member, they may not know that, right? Well, we always identify ourselves. Okay. And so it's very clear. So you could actually get swept up in, um, in sort of a guilt by association kind of dragnet if the FBI starts looking at these other people that you see that cross the line um, but your organization does not. But because you are organized, you're going to be more easily identifiable because you're organized. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so what have you and the members of your group, have you guys talked about this at all? Yeah, we have a lawyer. Ah, well, that was fast. Yeah, we've been consulting with a lawyer for about a month now okay. because of some of the harassment that we've gotten from the other side. Um, we've already have a cease and desist order available and ready and we have a few other things coming um and this is aimed at what organizations on and and what i mean like when you say the other side what is this other side of these pro critical race theories is pro mask what 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 are these uh, groups both of those okay both of those and we're focused on parental rights and liberty where wherever possible okay things should be parental choice when it comes to what whether your child has a medical device, um, whether they are vaccinated, whether they are exposed to certain things in sex education, um, it should be parental choice, and parents should be informed about what's going on. Have you considered uh, just getting your kids out of the district? Oh yeah, my kids are out of the district. Oh, all right. <laughs> yep, my kids, my kids are out of the district. Yeah. But I have my friends' kids, and and I care deeply about our country. And too many times, people who believe in the principles of freedom have assumed that common sense is going to win out, and it's not going to win out unless people with common sense get involved. Yeah, Rachel, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Good luck. Thank you so much. Yep, take care. A reminder, we've got the Speaker of the House on today. Tim Moore will join us. Get an update from Raleigh. Let me give you this uh, quote here from Noam Bloom, or Blum. I don't know how he pronounces it, actually. He goes by Neon Taster. I don't get that one either, but that's his, uh, he does uh, a bunch of different writing. He's a gamer, but he's also a conservative blogger and pundit. Anyway, uh, he says the apology for the cinema harassment is exactly why so many Republicans want Trump back. They believe that only he is cutthroat enough to serve as a counterforce to this idea that all is fair in the pursuit of leftist policy. And that is a great summation, that all is fair in pursuit of leftist policy. This is the privilege they have. It is. And I understand there are a lot of people on the left, uh, you know, maybe more moderate or uh, even, you know, some Republicans uh, who are like, oh, we can work with them. They're just different opinions and all this. You may not realize this, but 
this is the animating principle that all is fair in pursuit of leftist policy. Like, as long as we're trying to do the right thing, the ends justify the means. And that means I can follow you into a restroom and videotape you as you go to the bathroom and I can scream at you and make my political arguments while you're in the bathroom. And it's okay if there are students that are using the restroom as well that are just collateral damage. They just happen to walk into the bathroom at the time that you're in there making your left-wing speech, um, and that's okay. It's all in service to the cause. This is the, uh, right, it's the, the subjugation of self at the altar of the community, right, that the greater good is served by this invasion of your individual privacy. I say this so many times in so many cases. This is another one of them, another example. You are really not going to like it when your opponents begin doing this too. There are certain rules, right? There are laws, but then there are other rules. These are unwritten laws. This is sort of a code of conduct. This is, you know, things that people are expected to do and not to do in a civil society, right? And following somebody into a bathroom, a dude following a woman into a bathroom while videotaping her, not only is it probably technically illegal, and they should charge the people who did that because it is illegal, and if you're not going to charge people with these types of Uh, crimes then don't have the crimes on the books right just get rid of the laws if you're not going to enforce what is obviously videotaping somebody as they're in the restroom and you have a law that says you can't do that then you should just get rid of that law but there's also an unspoken code that we in a civil society abide generally speaking and if we are going to proceed down this path that the left is upon and they believe they are completely entitled to be on, but their opponents are not, mind you, but once their opponents get on that path too, that breaks down all civil discourse. And if we cannot, and I say this often too, if we cannot solve problems via debate, if we cannot solve our disagreements through uh Uh, argument through rhetoric, through uh, policy debate, through law, through legislative action. If we cannot solve our problems this way, there's only one other way it gets solved. You realize that, right? This violence. That's uh, That's the alternative. Politics exists so we can settle things nonviolently. As a libertarian, this is why I say don't, you know, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. Those are the fundamental principles at play here. And if you're following people into the restroom, then it signals to me that you are okay with this tactic. You are okay with doing this if it advances your particular goal. On the other hand, if I show up and I start railing against the school board over mask policies or... um vaccination policies or critical race theory in the schools or whatever. If I show up at a school board meeting and I start screaming and yelling at a school board meeting and I'm not threatening anybody, obviously I'm just yelling and screaming. I'm mad. I'm angry. You know, I'm I'm pounding the table and all this. If that is now going to be essentially criminalized, right. By the attorney general of America, 
that this is now some sort of prohibited action, then you are sending the signal that there are, in fact, two sets of rules, which, of course, a lot of people on the right have already come to this assessment. And that's why they went out and hired the biggest bully they could find to fight back. In 2016, I was not a supporter of Donald Trump in the primary. I was not. But what people kept telling me was, and I would argue with them about this, was that, but he fights. He fights. That was it. And to me, it mattered what he was fighting over, and it mattered how he fought and all of that. But to a lot of people, it didn't. It just didn't matter. It was it was a sign of life, right? It was He was fogging a mirror <laughs> in the battle. And that was enough, right? That was enough for them. Because there is this sense, and it is not inaccurate, that there are, in fact, two separate castes. We have a caste system in America. We have class systems here. And uh, this was written about by Zachary Marshall. He holds a Ph.D. in cultural studies. He's an adjunct professor at the University of Kentucky. He is also the managing editor of campusreform.org. Right? He talks about this, and he goes. he says, beyond this idea of double standards, he says the problem is that those currently with the power to restrict lives and constrict behavior think themselves ordained to do so. I mentioned this yesterday in, in one of my uh, discussions I was having with a friend of mine over K-12 education, and he, he, you know, he kept uh, arguing against this, uh, you know, this private school that is terrible, not a specific one, but just these, you know, all the private schools are terrible, and, you know, the parents are going to take advantage of, and I kept telling him, like, the same thing is happening in the public schools, too, but what became very evident, I told him this, was that you just, you know, you're wanting to make these decisions for other people because you don't obviously trust them, right? You don't trust them to make their own decisions. And so they're going to come and save you. There is a savior complex at the heart of a lot of this. So by virtue of their woke enlightenment, they know better and they do better. And that insufferable self-piety removes the progressive elites in their eyes from the experiences that all of the rest of us have to endure. So they get to not wear masks at Barack Obama's birthday party, right? Because they're sophisticated enough to know what the protocols are. And they're sophisticated enough to know that COVID won't smite them. Because COVID knows. So the managing editor at Campus Reform, Zachary Marshall, he writes today at campusreform.org, actually yesterday, the problem is those currently with the power to restrict lives and constrict behavior think themselves ordained to do so. By virtue of their woke enlightenment, they know better and do better. And uh, the progressive elite has internalized a newly minted cultural caste system to create a set of acceptable norms and mores from which they exempt themselves at their convenience. So this is beyond a double standard. And I started, I don't know, probably about a year or so ago, I started talking about this because the the pointing out of the double standards, it doesn't do anything. There's no point to it any longer because we're, we're trying to work the refs. This was a phrase I used, gosh, I've been using for 20 years. I remember talking with, uh, <laughs> well, at the time, Pat McCrory, the mayor, and I was... Uh, 
I used it in reference to uh, something. There was a there was a weekend TV show called Final Edition, and I used to be a regular on this show hosted by Jerry Hancock. And um, and I think I said in an example, I said Pat McCrory was trying to work the refs or, on something, and um, and and like he he. Uh, after one of the council meetings, he came up to me and made reference to that comment. But like, that's the that's what I've always kind of looked at. That like, you're working the refs, right? You're trying to get the media to treat both teams fairly, but the media has no intention of doing that. And so, what are we doing? Why are we? Why are you? Why do you keep looking at the refs, asking them for a call when they're just an extension of the other team, right? So there's no value to this any longer. I mean, yes, it makes sense to point it out, but if you're pointing it out in order to try to get some corrective action, you're wasting your time. It's just not going to happen because they don't care. Because, again, they believe that these rules are meant for others, not for them. It's These are norms for, for them and not for you. The, these are a different cast than you. And I'm sorry to break it to you, but we're all in some other group. We're a different class. The new caste system requires an academic explanation that helps expose the progressive elite's contemptible creation for the artifice that it is. As campus reform reports daily, leftist values, ideologies, and terminology have trickled down from the ivory tower over the last 50 years and into our mainstream society to the detriment of this country's social cohesion and sense of national pride. Institutions of higher education lay at the root of this country's cultural ills, and that is why academic arguments and terminology are occasionally required to comprehend those problems thoroughly. Patrimony, patrimony, whatever you want to call it, is one such concept. Patrimony. It can help explain why America's progressive elite selectively apply their censorship and restrictions. So as the Oxford English Dictionary explains, patrimony is the property or domain of a certain class that is inherited by subsequent generations within that social group. This is historically an estate of some kind, right? Property, big a piece of land or something, you know, businesses or whatever. Property or domain of a certain class that's inherited by subsequent generations within that social group. Consequently, this socioeconomic group feels a sense of ownership over their dominion, an uncompromising outlook on stewardship that is reminiscent of of the aristocratic confidence featured on British period dramas. Think Downton Abbey, right? Patrimony can be both abstract, but it could also be tangible. It can describe a set of cultural practices and values in addition to land. And this concept of patrimony is is really useful um, when you hear scholars talk about, and you're going to hear this term a lot now, decolonization. You've probably heard it already, right? That you're going to decolonize the fill-in-the-blank. We're decolonizing this space. We're decolonizing this product. We're decolonizing uh, this event, this history, whatever it is, right? Decolonization. And uh, this concept is just one across what he describes as uh, uh, 
a wide range of projects across the political spectrum. Leftist academics have a penchant to pick up on the term or pick up the term in order to push the decolonization narrative that erect barriers between groups based on identity. So radical scholars need students to live out their preferred ideologies on campus. Why? Right. This is one of the things like a lot of people on the right and parents thought that, well, when they get out of college, they're going to get into the real world and then they're going to discover, oh, wow, things aren't like they are in college. And, you know, they'll become more conservative. They'll they'll know how things really work. And that has not borne out to be true because what has happened is when kids uh, get their education in college, the idea here is that the radical scholars sort of wind up the kids and then release them and they go out into the real world and the idea here is to create change through daily progressive politics. Over time, the students grow up and many progressive ones acquire positions of leadership from which they can recreate the world in the image of their senior year seminar. Which, by the way, sounds a lot like colonization, does it not? When you get radical leftists that are, you know, winding up their little uh, students and sending them out to go into uh, corporate spaces, uh, spaces and businesses and to uh, infect these areas and to take them over for the radical left. It's almost colonizing behavior, don't you think? As campus reforms coverage demonstrates, ideas perpetuated in academia do not stay tucked away in higher education. These notions find their way down from and out of the ivory tower. It's been described, by the way, by uh, Joel Kotkin, a fellow at Chapman University in a uh, book called The New Woke Order. Uh, or I'm sorry, uh, sorry, the name of the book is The Coming of Neo-Feudalism. This is what he calls it, Neo-Feudalism, a warning to the global middle class. Um, President Obama's birthday party was a great example of this. Right. Another great example of this caste system is the treatment of Australia versus Black Lives Matter. What did we see in the Black Lives Matter movement in America? What it, and, and by the way, that movement has, you know, moved on to other uh, countries as well. There's a BLM in virtually all Western societies now. So uh, Black Lives Matter was about what? Right. Police brutality. Right. The, the expanse of the, the police state, the abuse of citizens, that, that that's the concept. It's what won a lot of libertarians over into the BLM movement, these arguments that they were making. And there's this uh, connection between the two. And then, of course, you realize, oh, my gosh, Black Lives Matter is actually a socialist organization founded by uh, Marxists and the like. And so uh, there is a bit of a disconnect there. But what is Australia doing right now? What's Australia doing? except providing like a real-world, real-time example of a police state. As these troops are running through the streets, tackling people for not wearing masks, accosting people, demanding to see vaccination papers, and then arresting them if they cannot produce them quickly enough. Consider the letter that more than 1,200 doctors and scientists signed over a year ago that argued anti-police protests should not be stopped due to COVID-19. Remember that? They said it's too important. It's a health crisis. You got to keep protesting out in the street, even if it spreads COVID-19, even though they said it totally wouldn't spread COVID-19, right? Right. 
it's a different set of rules because they're a different cast of people. They have special privileges that you do not. This is the order that they are establishing. Whether they know it or not, news is next. Thank <laughs> you.